welcome to the Fitness Fixated podcast with me, your host, John Clark. I'm joined today by the pride of Kirby, Liverpool boxer, Robbie Davis Jr. Hello, Robbie. Hi, John. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Robbie, can you tell us all the titles you currently have and your current status in the boxing world right now? I'm a former British Commonwealth European champion, two-time WBA continental champion, and I've currently just had a comeback fight and now I'm looking to get back into the world rankings and hopefully by early next year, depending on the circumstances, be looking to fight for a world title sometime in the near future. Yeah, I can definitely see that happen. You're very unlucky that it didn't happen with the way the decision went against Ritson in your last fight or your last loss. But that's just the way it goes, I guess. Yeah, I think it was, um, it was a very close fight. I feel if it was anywhere else in the country, like if it had been in Liverpool or on neutral venue, I would have, the decision would have went my way. But being a close fight and in his back garden, I think everything favoured towards him with all the, ju- the judges and him. Especially with the crowd, he only has to throw a punch. Even if he missed, everyone went crazy for him. So yeah. it was all it was all stacked up against me, really. I'm going to be biased because I'm I'm part of your team, but yeah. I, I I would say that to me was either a win for you or a draw. You know, and all credit to you for going and fighting in his backyard. And yeah, the, the crowd does help influence the judges, but those scorecards were so wide it was ridiculous. Yeah, I even had some of the Sky pundits that even come to my hotel room after the fight and obviously they're neutral and they're not for any of us and they were even saying like what you've just said, either you won or a draw at best for him. So I don't know where them scorecards came from and I know they're only trying to be helpful by you know, like trying to keep me with the sound but it was, I felt like they were rubbing salt in my wounds. <laughs> so it's just making me even more gutted because I felt like I won as well. He's a, he's a good fighter, Ritson, but he, he was definitely miles ahead of you that it was obvious that he was winning it was it was it was a hard one to call to be honest but with me I, I think all he did was just finish the round strong with a little flurry of punches but you were yeah. actually like tearing out and leaning and leaning on him and dominating through most so of the rounds and at the end he was just throwing a few yeah. of punches and then the crowd would go past, past the judges eyes with like the 27 burst and the crowd is all governmental for him and I feel like that was enough for him to steal the rounds at the time like I say, we, we will get you back onto track for that world title. I believe in it. And I'm sure Dom, your new trainer and that, is going to bring out the best in you. Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm looking forward to. Just getting back up there with, in Sheffield with Dominic and the lads. Keep working and then keep pushing towards my goals. So, Robbie, can we just take this back to the beginning and tell us how you actually got into boxing in the first place? Were you into boxing always as a kid? Or were you into footy like most lads? Or how did all this start? Yeah, I was actually... Um, I was into football up until like early teenage years and then from where I'm from in Liverpool in Kirby I feel like everyone at some point strolls into a boxing gym at some point at least to have a go just to see if they find the feet in there or not and then when I went into the one called Nosley Vale ABC obviously my dad was a boxer and he went to the Olympics and things like that so once I said my name in the amateur club a couple of the coaches in there was like your dad's not Robbie Davis's and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's my dad, but I never even really followed too much into me, my dad's career at that age, but then from then they started taking a bit of note with me and then I think it was in like three months, four months, they said like, do you want to have your first fight? And I was like, yeah, go on, I'll fight, because I was never like, I was never pushed into it, but it never meant 
too much to me then because I was just trying it out. And then I think within a year's time, I was national champion. Within 18 months' time, I was I was having my first fight for England. So it all moved quickly for me. So then I just thought I had to make a decision when I got to like the age of 17 whether I was going to keep playing football or keep boxing. And at the time, I was with football. I wasn't going to get picked up or I wasn't going to get a white TS or anything like that. So I hung the football boots up and went into the boxing full time. Never looked back? No, never looked back. <laughs> did you ever feel like talking about your dad being quite a famous boxer and boxing at the Olympics? Did you ever feel pressure to live up to him? I know like he didn't force you into it, but like going in going off, his name on the line here is his son. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like some people do feel pressured by that, but the way my dad was and his mannerisms and things like that, I was I never felt pressured because he he was just more like, Do your best, we're all here for you and that's all we can ask of you. So there was never like pressure on me to keep winning or things like that. When I was a bit younger, he was a bit probably a bit harsh, but I think that was more because he was worried because I wasn't that good then. And like he was like, be saying you got to keep your hands up with this and that, this and that. But once I got to a certain level, he was just happy to be there then, and he was just enjoying me having my own career rather than thinking of it as like I'm following his career on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it must be hard being a father myself, and I know you're going to be a father soon. You wouldn't want to see your own son get punched in the face and stuff. It'd be hard to watch. As yeah, same. like that's what I mean. I think like he was a bit harsh on me when I was there starting. Like he'd moan at me and things like that. Even fights where I'd win, he'd be like, he'd going on at me. But then like once I got to a certain standard and a certain level, and them sorts of mistakes he was moaning about were all ironed out. He 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 was just happy to be there. Then whether I won, lost, or drawn. So and then as I progressed and got better and better and better. He just enjoyed the show then. He was never really, he never took a big part in my boxing career. He was just like my number one fan, really. So, do you think anyone could become a pro boxer? Or do you think you were born with that gift and it's like in your family, like you're genetically gifted towards boxing? Or do you think it's just all come down to hard work and discipline? Yeah, I've heard people say, like, um, like when you get one boxer and then they're a family of brothers and they're, they're, all, they're all good or things like that. So they, I know what they say about like, like it's inherited and things like that. But most of the time it's, 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 it's down to hard work and what you learn in the actual gym and who you, what your coaches are teaching you and things like that. And I just believe like over the years I've just stuck to it and where other people have like, they've had to go when they were younger then they've left it for a bit and then they've come back when they're a bit older. And some of them were like my age and kept fluttered in and out of boxing where I just stayed right through. Never never backed off at any time. Even when I got beat in an amateur, I just back in the gym the next day, carried on, carried on. Eventually, I went all the way through, four for England, one national titles, then I became professional. And I was the one that like stuck it out and I'm the one that's getting the benefits from it now. So, Robbie, can you tell people, obviously, I want to inspire people who are maybe thinking about becoming boxers themselves. What are like some of the hardships you've been through that they might have to face? Some of the hardest things you've got to probably deal with in boxing is because once it starts meaning that much to you, it's not like football. If you get beaten in, in a football game, there's 10 other people to and your manager to you can all comfort each other when you're all feeling down in boxing. If you're on your own and you've got all the pressure of winning and losing on yourself, so when you get beat, it doesn't matter. It hurts, it hurts bad. So 
that's definitely one one of the main hardships, and you've got to be, you've got to isolate yourself away from like all your teenagers. I basically missed because I couldn't go out and be with the lads on the streets and things like that because I could be fighting the weekends and I had to be training all the time. I'm constantly dieting, even like now I was older. Like my missus might want to go out for a meal or things like that, and I can't do it because I'm on a diet. Well, we, we, we do try and help you with that a little bit when we're yeah, doing it. Yeah, we, like, we, we have got the odd Nando's day after doing black and with all the calories worked out for us. But that's a special thing, we don't want to sell anyone about it, that because other people will start doing it. Isn't it yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's loads of things that you miss out on to try and become a boxer, but obviously in the long run there's loads of benefits as well. Yeah, I think with everything, if you want to get to the top level, there's sacrifice, but whether it's a footballer or a boxer or whatever, that is what most young lads especially aspire to be, a pro athlete. That's what they want to be. They love to, when they're a kid, that's what they want to grow up to be as an, as an athlete, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Especially when I was a young kid, like, I'd like be buying a pair of football boots thinking I'm going to be like Steven Gerrard when I'm older. That, that idea soon went on me. I'm going to realise how hard it was to make it as a footballer. And then, luckily enough, I just... I was half decent at boxing and I just progressed and finally ended up a boxer myself and now I've made a career out of it. Yeah, and the way you look up to Stephen Gerrard, I'm sure now there's young boxers who look up to you and really admire you and want to aspire to be like you. Yeah, like I even think it's mad. Like even just the other day, what, since this lockdown's been going on, I was doing a questionnaire on the Instagram. And young kids are messaging me on it saying, like, can I have a glove, can I have a signed photograph? And you send it out to me and stuff like that. And I'm saying yes to them, but I'm thinking, because I don't feel like I'm anyone, I'm thinking, why do you want to bleed and sign photograph of me? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But yeah, I, well, I remember when the, the shoe was on the other foot and I was doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, it means the world to them, and it's so little effort for you to sign a piece of paper for them. It's good that you do that. Do you still have people you look up to and aspire to be? I know probably your dad was your hero, but like in the, in the boxing world, is the icons you've tried to model yourself on almost? No, I wouldn't say like I model myself on someone. I always just like the idea of it. Like Floyd Mayweather, even as he got older, he still had that same weird ethic as he did when he was 21. He was consistent. He was constantly on it. And I feel like I'm one of them type of people like... I very, very rarely let myself just switch off from it all. Like, I'm constantly, even in the back of my mind, thinking, don't do this or don't do that. Or I'm constantly fixated on being a champion. So I feel like if it was anyone, it was saying anyone who would look up to and aspire to, it would be Floyd Mayweather because he absolutely killed the game, not just because of the money side of things, but the way he had to work towards him, what he had to do to sacrifice and to make sure he was the best of the best. I mean, he's not one of my favourite, but you've got to respect him for how, how well-known he is and he's one of the people who's put boxing on, on the map. What about yeah, like someone um, like uh, Lamachenko or people like that or Canelo? Canelo's probably my favourite current fighter of today, style-wise and things like that. Like, There's never a Canelo fight, what's a dull fight? And, He's going up and down the weights and he's absolutely mincing everyone, so you can't knock him. He's a machine. Yeah, he's got a back on him like a scared cat. He's in nails. But it's questionable if he's a natural though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm not even going down that route. <laughs> okay. Them <Them> steaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
If people don't know what we're on about, that he's um he tested positive for Anavar and blamed it on contaminated meat, didn't he? Mm. We'll never know. We'll never know. No. So Robbie, can you tell us what would be your number one tip or a couple of tips for people who want to become a boxer and they they want to get into this? Like any anything that they can start doing now to try and get on that pathway. If I'm speaking to a young version of myself now, I'd say you've got to listen to your coaches. You've got to be consistent, and you've got to you've got to put a hundred percent. If you're gonna if you're gonna just be half-hearted, then it's not the sport for you. I'd probably because I'd probably just keep it as simple as I can with them. Because if, if you can't follow them rules, you're never gonna be a boxer. Yeah, half-hearted, half results, isn't it? That's it exactly. Yeah. I'm feeling this game being a dangerous sport. If you're half-hearted, you could get it. So. You have to give it a hundred percent, and you have to have full trust in your coach, and make sure you listen to them. And and over the the course of your career, what have you found like you've improved on, and like learned that, that maybe you were doing wrong at the start of your career that you've now. So I couldn't I couldn't tell you that one. It's just like stuff that happens in a, in a boxer's career just starts happening naturally, and it's stuff you've learned in the game and repetition of doing the same things over and over again it just makes you the best fighter and I just feel over time if you if you're gonna be someone in the boxing game it will happen and if it's it's not the sport for you then you're probably best getting out of it because it's a tough sport and in my opinion it's probably the toughest sport in the world yeah definitely I would agree you've got to be fit and I remember I had a guy in the, in the gym and I was just doing a bit of pad work with him and he was like, oh, I didn't realise how hard this is at Nakaji. I always thought boxers were lazy. I was like, why do you think they're lazy? Imagine this now where you're getting punched back as well. That's how fit they are. <laughs> yeah, that's something you can't see. Clean. You can't see yourself get punched. <laughs> so you have to just try and get out the way. <laughs> and um, we talked about it a little bit at the, at the start of the interview there, but can you talk about your losses and how you learned to cope with them and uh, maybe about your first loss? Um, against was it Michael was his name? Michael Sinawaka. Yeah. Yeah. When I um, when I took that loss, I um, I always felt to myself like that I wasn't hundred percent, and we knew things in our camp that was going wrong during the final the final preparation of camp. Like camp being good, and then the final preparation, um, I picked up a bit of a bug, and I, uh, I wasn't feeling right. But I was convinced because it was on box office and things like that. I was convinced no matter what I was still gonna fight and then after the fight started and we're knocking lumps out of each other and I put them down then once I get to like round eight nine I'm up on all the scorecards I was just completely depleted and even if you ever watch that fight you can just see how I start to slow down and he just starts to catch me with big shots and big shots and eventually with I think it was like a minute to go in the last round he ends up stopping me with a big left hook but it wasn't a punch that like knocked me out. It literally, like, he could have blew me over. Like I was that weak. Yeah. And after that fight, like it killed me at the time. And because uh, I was thinking to myself, I wasn't at my best, and I shouldn't have let that happen. And then I had personal problems going on in the background. Um, I, I took, I took, I lost my dad in the same week. And then people don't know, do they? Like I, I know Dave, who's your coach at the time. He had to miss his own daughter's wedding because that fight date kept on getting moved. So the camp was being yeah. a nightmare long. You, you got sick, you had like stomach issues. I couldn't be there because 
I booked a holiday and the date had been moved. It was, it was all like, kinds going. It was like it wasn't meant to be. It was like an accumulation of loads of things that could have went wrong or went wrong at once. So after that fight, I was like, I went into a bit of a hole because I let all these things happen and I should have just pulled out. But in the back of my mind, I was determined to still fight because it was on box office. It was my first time. I was getting a real like decent paycheck and things like that. And that, then, and that must be hard. Like You're thinking... I can't blow this opportunity. I don't want to cancel it. I might never get this again. But then, yeah, you think you think if I don't take this opportunity, they're gonna ring up some other kids, and he's gonna take the opportunity instead, and then he's gonna be the face on box office instead of me. The, In the long run, it backfired on me anyway. Yeah, but what people we should tell us is that you actually came back and avenged that fight, and you absolutely destroyed the guy. And when when it was you, were actually a hundred percent. You know, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen you do. You end up knocking the guy out. You dropped him a couple of times throughout the course of the fight as well. It was just I like it was, I was thinking it was because of going into that fight it was the fear factor what I had as well. Like thinking like the first time I fought him, I was thinking even at sixty percent I'll beat this kid. But on the second time round, I knew what he was capable of now. I knew how big and strong he was. I knew how hard he could hit. So the fear factor going into the rematch made me razor sharp. I trained like. Trojan to make sure it was the best version of myself, and then it ended up like wouldn't say an easy night's work, but it was comfortable because of how well the box. And obviously, it was the icing on the cake to knock him out in the last round, and exactly the same way he done to me. Yeah, I mean, if you, in the first fight as well, you probably would have won if you if you had just held in. But you you you've got a bit of an attitude. If you you like to try and knock people out, and you you try and like. Get that stuck last in. round, if someone has just said to me, listen, just run away, just don't get, don't get it by him, he has a wonderful fight, but in my head I was thinking, this is three more minutes, I've got to try and knock him out, and I didn't even have, because I didn't even stand up, if he just blew, as a heavy blow on me, he probably blew me over. <laughs> uh, well, it's hard to me, but it doesn't mean everyone, most people, and Floyd Mayweather's maybe the exception, but somebody has to come across a loss sooner or later, like all the great, look at Joshua, stuff like that. You, you can lose to an opponent and then come back and redeem yourself just like Joshua did recently. And that's what you did. Yeah, some, some people look at boxing and think, oh, once you get beat, that's the end of it. But um, when you're at a certain level, um, there's always someone as good as you or better than you. And sometimes it's out of your hands and it's to the judges and you might feel like you've won or one night you might win and the next night he might win. It's just once you're at that high top level, like you were saying, apart from the exception of Floyd Mayweather, I feel like all top fighters at some point take a loss. But just it's not the loss, it's how you come back from it. A hundred percent. And you, you've done it back on the winning streak now and I can only see you going forward again. You, how do you think actually having this baby on the way now, is that going to drive you more? Yeah, probably, you know what? I've never really needed anything for motivation. I've always been very self-motivated, but... Now when I've got a little baby on the way and you just think I want to give her the world and the best way I can do it is by progressing in my boxing career so it's just that little bit extra more grit in between my teeth especially moving forward in my career I've just got a new coach and things like that so it's definitely something for me to drive me on especially when I'm in the gym and I'm on them days where you just can't be bothered you can just give that little thought of why you're doing this now and it'll just give you that extra little lift there's nothing like a baby to make you hungry for success because the pressure oh. you, you, you at the moment you're just living for yourself but then 
you actually you've got this person well, who's dependent on you you've I, got to I keep thinking to myself as well I might be lucky if we one of my first camps is right after the baby's born so I miss all the, the night feeds <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's something that actually we'll, we'll keep that one between us <laughs> but it might be hard you know if you're getting sleepless nights and having to go to training that, that could affect your training couldn't it yeah definitely you know, we spoke about all these different things so but there'll definitely be ways around them, and uh, well, we'll work out when it comes to. Of course, it, you're, you're not the first boxer to have a baby, so. I know that's what I'm saying. So I'll just have to bring a few of them and say, "What did you do at this point?" <laughs> <laughs> so, Robbie, like, um, I like, I know we 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 record this before earlier, and it um, cut out. So I know I've taken up your time having you on the line twice yeah, now. No problem, honestly. So, um, is a. Anything you, you would like to tell anyone before we wrap this up? Um, maybe you can tell them how they can find you on social media and your Instagram and all that kind of stuff if people want to reach out to you. Yeah, anyone can always find any of me on my social medias. I'm, a, I'm under at Robbie Davis Jr. on all of them. I'm always warming and welcoming to anyone that wants to talk to me. So if I have the time, I'll always reply to anyone I can. And most of me, me with ethic or me with training and things like that. I keep updated on me, social media, so if you ever want to take a look, just give me a follow. Yeah, you used to be uh, the only person I knew who actually still hammers Twitter as well. Do you know what? I don't even go on it anymore because I've found, right, this is someone I was watching another boxer the other day doing a questionnaire and he said, like, hey, do you not bother with Twitter anymore? And his answer was, saying, well, the reason I don't go on it because the bigger I've got, I feel like the people on Twitter the users, the way to have a voice and say more negative things where the people you have on your Instagram are a lot more, positive. like, um, yeah, a lot more positive people. And since then, I've been like, he's so right. Like, since I've used Instagram, a lot more people that are a lot more positive towards me and they, they say things to try and lift you or you'll be back soon, blah, 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 along them lines. Oh yeah, I would agree so that Instagram get, is a lot more positive. No followers, follows 50 boxers and all those comments just slagging all of us and they've got a profile picture of like a car. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like a hidden identity. Trolls just troll them. Yeah. You, you get, I've seen you put up where you, you get one them calling you out as well saying they're going to batter you if they see you and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Every now and again. I get them all the time but every now and again I just like screenshot it and just name and shame them and just put them out there for everyone else to see. <laughs> I've seen that with the, the Bokkas do it I think is it um, it was actually Wilder I think where he went to the guy who'd been giving him loads of stuff out and then it was like let's have oh, it. Oh made him have like a bit of a yeah. spa with yeah, yeah. something like that yeah I've seen that yeah. <laughs> That's the best way don't you wish you could do that with all the all the people giving you a load of hate. I'd have no time left in the day, honestly, I'd be doing it that much. <laughs> you don't get it that much, do you? No, but on Twitter at times, uh, it does get like that, especially when you've got a fight coming up. Um, like fans of the other opponents, they're constantly on you, whether it be all the Polish or all the Geordies or... Who the was the guy who um, he, he made some really low blow comments uh, about you and stuff and, and, and scouts in general. Oh, yeah, um, Davis. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's a little quitter himself, quitting his fight and that. He usually did. Yeah, there's, um, don't know what's happened to him lately. Um, I've very rarely seen him even fight anymore. I don't know if he's still on the, on the go or what, but he just said things that were unforgivable with me, so... I yeah, just it, it like started with banter at first, didn't it? And then he just took it to the next level of, like, nastiness, didn't he? Yeah, at one point, 
thing. So I, I was enjoying the bit of back and forth dance because I was thinking, me and him are just like this, so I'll catch the interest of everyone. But then he started going a bit low blow and I thought it was a bit pathetic the way he was going about it and some really nasty stuff and low blows towards my dad when he was dying and I just give him a wide bit ever since then really. He say his career's gone down the hill and he's dropped by Eddie and uh, then funny enough you picked up by him, weren't you? Yeah, so Yeah. Karma. <laughs> yeah. All right, Robbie, well, thanks thanks very much for coming on again. And I'm sure we'll love to have you on again in the future. Maybe we can put up on Instagram if there's any questions people would like to talk to you about. And then you can come on and do another interview somewhere down the line. Yeah, that'll, that'll be great. Um, definitely somewhere in the near future. Well, we're all pretty much isolation. I'll come on this every week if you want. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I'll hold you for that. Okay, well, I appreciate the call anyway. Okay, take it easy. See you now. Bye. See you soon. Bye.